for today's episode. We've got a truly fascinating episode in store for you as we unveil the top five declassified projects from government agencies and the military. So let's pull back the curtain on some of the most incredible and at times bizarre projects that were once shrouded in secrecy. Military and CIA Declassified Secrets. I have here the top five military and CIA secrets that have been declassified over, I don't know, the last, I would say, 50 years. And I picked these out because these seem the most interesting. And I'm actually curious to see how much of these you know, Conrad. So if I talk about any of these that you're familiar with, go ahead and chime in on some of it. Well, these are specifically CIA. And military. Oh, okay. Both, yeah. Because the CIA is only, I think, 70 years old. So, number one is Project 1794. Have you ever heard of this one? No, not, not by that name. Okay, so in late 2012, the U.S. Air Force declassified a trove of documents, including records of a secret program to build a flying saucer-type aircraft designed to shoot down Soviet bombers. In the 1950s, an engineering team was charged with creating a disc-shaped aircraft that could fly at supersonic speeds at great altitudes as part of an ambitious program called Project 1794. Now, plans for the aircraft are described in declassified documents, and they include a top speed of Mach that is four times the speed of sound and an altitude of 100,000 feet wow. or 30,000 meters. The project was expected to cost more than $3 million, which translates to more than $26 million in today's money. Because studies revealed that the flying saucer design was aerodynamically unstable and would probably be uncontrollable at high speeds, Project 1794 was abandoned in December of 1961. Hmm. Interesting one, right? Yeah, I never heard that one before. I mean, the Nazis yeah. did it, right? The Nazi belt. <laughs> Wasn't that a, their own version of a flying saucer? I don't think that it ever really got anywhere, did it? Well, if you believe the the original story of the pilots in the Nazi Bell on a, I think it was a routine flight, took off, disappeared, and was never seen again. Mm. I know that they had been trying to create what's called a flying wing, so maybe I'm getting confused with that. Yeah, yeah, uh, so if you Google the Nazi Bell aircraft, you, you'll, you'll see it. But anyways. Okay. 
I digress. Number two, Project Ice Swarm. The U.S. Army began a covert project in the 1960s to develop a number of transportable nuclear missile launch facilities beneath Greenland's ice sheets. Have you heard of this one, Conrad? No. The plan was to build a base near enough for medium-range missiles to hit Soviet Union targets. Project Ice Worm was the codename for the project, but in 1960, the Army started a covert research experiment called Camp Sentry to see if it would work, okay? Beneath this cover, engineers constructed a network of tunnels, underground structures that housed a nuclear power plant, residential rooms, a kitchen, entertainment area, lovely, a hospital, laboratories, and supply rooms. Now, the base ran for seven years while remaining a secret from the Danish government. As shifting ice produced unstable conditions, the program was abandoned in 1966. Project Ice Worm was abandoned, completely abandoned, and currently its remains are covered in the Arctic snow. Now, that is a pretty cool project. Yeah, that actually kind of makes sense. More sense than a flying saucer. Yeah, well, does it? It's crazy. I've never heard of that before. Well, I'm glad I found these. Yeah, and yes. both of them have been related to the uh, arms race with the Soviet Union. The fact yeah. that, which is something that I've studied or had a little bit of curiosity with. So I'm surprised that I've never run across these before. Number three. Now, this one isn't really a, a project. It has more to do with the espionage side of governments. Number three is Oleg Pinskovsky. It's a Russian name. During the Cold War, Oleg, a senior Soviet military intelligence officer, spied for the United States and for Britain. Now, Oleg is best remembered for his involvement in the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, during which he provided critical information to the U.S. government concerning the capabilities of Soviet missiles stationed in Cuba. Now, the spy was ultimately discovered by his fellow Soviet intelligence agents, accused of treason, and then put to death in 1963. Yet hmm. other experts think that Oleg was just a ruse who may have been given U.S. intelligence officers misleading information, claiming that he was actually truly devoted to the Soviet Union. So that okay. was a little bit of espionage there for you. That uh, it's good to break it up every once in a while. Hmm. I make um for a, a good position, I guess, of a false informant because mm -hmm. I mean a good portion of the Cold War is making the other side believe that your capabilities are better than they actually are. So exactly. To say, oh yeah, our secret missile actually flies further than <laughs> we actually can is a good thing. But you've got to be careful with that sort of thing, because if you fail and they figure out that you are a false informant, then right. they know that the missile is actually shorter range than that. So then they know at least a little bit of the maximum. So let's say they, you say it can fly you know, 1,200 miles and they figure out that it's wrong. Well, then they go, okay, well, then the missile cannot fly 1,200 miles. So we know that its maximum is probably something like 1,100 miles. Number four, Project Horizon. 
Before the establishment of a commercial space agency, NSA sent its first astronaut to the moon in 1969. Plans for building strategic uh, lunar military outposts were created by at least two U.S. military groups. The U.S. Army developed a plan for a manned military facility on the moon way back in 1959. Now, according to the declassified papers, Project Horizon was a concept put up by the Army's Chief of Research and Development that would establish and defend potential United States interests on the moon. A different effort, this one from the U.S. Air Force, aimed to create a lunar-based Earth bombing system that satisfied particular military needs. Another Air Force study, this one submitted in 1959, involved detonating a nuclear weapon on the moon. Now, Carl Sagan and Leonard Reif both contributed to the research, which was led by Reif, a physicist at Illinois Institute of Technology. Now, Reif stated that the primary purpose of the nuclear detonation was to impress the world with its capability of the United States. And that was in an interview done by the New York Times in 2010 after it was declassified. So that one's another strange one. Man-based military facility on the moon. Also, they wanted nuclear weapons on the moon to... I don't know what to think of that one, but I thought it was um, interesting either way. Well, I know that it, I, I've heard a little bit about it, and I know that, that both the Russians and the Americans came to agreement not to put nuclear weapons in space. And I think when it comes to rules of warfare... Um, yeah. I personally believe that one of the reasons that they both agree on that sort of thing is not necessarily because they believe it'd be too destructive, but because it's not really worth the effort. Mm -hmm. So I think putting nuclear weapons into space or putting nuclear weapons on the moon is just too difficult for them to consider it as valuable. Consider this. You put a nuke in space, right? Yeah. What happens when you need to refurbish the warhead? You've got to send it back down to Earth, and they've got to refurbish it and then send it back. Can you imagine all the different things that could go wrong? And then you have the <laughs> issue with, well, what happens if it crashes? What happens if it burns up on re-entry? Well, then what? Well, there's just so many things that can go wrong. And then if you put it on the moon, you have to have its own propulsion system. So you have to have a rocket. Now, it wouldn't be a huge rocket because you just got to get it to move through space. Mm -hmm. But it's got to have its own propulsion. And then you've got to launch it remotely. It's just so much that can go wrong. I can see why it is that they probably gave up on it. But I don't think it's because it was impossible, but because it just wasn't practical. Yeah, it doesn't sound very practical at all. Especially when you can just have a missile that can do roughly the same thing, but it's launched from Earth. So, but it would have the uh, ability of being able to get to its target faster. That would imply that there were some, someone or something that they were trying to fend off on the moon. Moving on to number five. Now, this one's interesting because I think we all pretty much are aware of this one. But yet, it was still declassified, so it's FBI surveillance planes. Now, in 2015, the AP broke the news of FBI surveillance programs that uses small aircrafts to spy on suspects on the ground. 
The planes carry video and cell phone surveillance technology and are registered to fictitious companies. When the AP released its report on June 2015, the planes had been observed above more than 30 cities in 11 US states in a 30-day period. Now, while the FBI told the AP that its aerial surveillance program was not a secret, details about what information the planes collected is highly censored in public available documents. The report also states that the FBI operates these planes without judicial approval. One document obtained by the National Security Archive shows the names and addresses of fictitious companies that operates the planes. NSA expert and historian Matthew M. Aide also created a list of aircrafts that are used in this FBI quote-unquote Air Force. So yeah, that was something that kind of made big headlines in 2015 that is not really something that's declassified, although like I said, the information on what it obtained is uh, classified. So yeah, take that what you will. I think well, uh, when Edward Snowden broke news with all his uh, leaked information, I think we kind of already assumed that, okay, if the CIA is doing that, NSA is doing that, obviously the FBI must be surveilling its own citizens as well. That's my my thought. Have you heard of the uh, little theory that I put on the end? Is Did you ever hear of the wiretapping and methods that the FBI would use to spy on the Soviet Union that they got caught with, the underwater cable tapping? There was these underwater cables that runs in the Pacific over there by, I guess, Port Arthur with the uh, Soviet Union had. And uh, the CIA put took submarines out there and put divers that cut into the wire, the fiber optic, and without disrupting the flow of the fiber optic information, they were able to put a recorder onto that cable to record all the information that went through there because it was sent through a secure fiber optic and they didn't encode that. So there was just free information flowing through that cable. And that one got declassified because it got caught. They were trying to uh, switch out the, uh, the recorder and they did that periodically and one time they got caught doing that so... Then they later declassified it because there's no point in keeping their secret spy method I secret. <laughs> Another one that they had that they declassified is they were spying on the Russians by putting microchips inside of their uh, scanners so that it kept a electronic copy of all the documents that they scanned in their offices. And then the Microsoft or the techs that they would have come in and work on the printers would be... Uh, hired by the CIA to take out those recorders <laughs> on their scanners and mm. put in new ones. So not only do they tap, I suppose, electronic information through the internet that way, they, they've also worked with HP to spy on people. So it makes you wonder, how many different ways do you think that the government is spying on perhaps their own citizens? Because... You know, they use these different methods to spy on the Soviets, and then we figure out through Edward Snowden that they're spying on us that way. How much do you want to bet that they've tried hiring individual companies like HP to spy on... Well, it's funny you say that. There is a building in New York that is an AT&T building, right? 
Well, funny thing about this AT&T building, it's not an AT&T building inside. It's a, it's either CIA or NSA. Government employees have been seen going into this building. And I was going to do, make this an entire topic because it's, it's just so fascinating. But what's interesting about this is that AT&T has publicly before said, well, okay, I don't know if they publicly said it. I don't. I think it was probably released with uh, Edward Snowden's leaks. But either way, it's already public information that AT&T has a contract with the NSA for surveillance. And this building in New York is exactly that. Now, the front might have an AT&T sign on it, but inside are government employees with their surveillance. So it makes you wonder if you happen to have AT&T services on your phone, is all that being collected as well? Probably. Yeah, probably. Probably. All your phone calls are recorded. All your text messages are saved. Well, probably so the, um, not mine because I don't have AT&T. Just one final thing on the, uh, the underwater cable tapping. That was called Operation Ivy Bells. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I just went and looked it up and I found its official name. Well, that was my top five list of declassified um, projects from the CIA and the military. There was about a hundred declassified projects that <laughs> I uh, could have picked from. <laughs> so if you guys liked this and like Conrad didn't know most of these, I'll be happy to go through it again and pick out another five. Just send us an email. All right, and that will conclude today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. If you want to email me or Conrad, you can do so at bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. That's one word, bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. Check the description for a link. Once again, thank you for listening. And as always, we will catch you in the next episode.